0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Well, it depends a lot on this Lamar Jackson situation with Indianapolis and what happens there, and then certainly uh, whether Seattle's going to take a quarterback or go defense at that point. Uh, Las Vegas uh, seemed like was maybe interested. Then with Jimmy Garoppolo, you hear different things that they're not now. Uh, yeah, it's just some teams, Tennessee at 11, you keep hearing quarterback. Atlanta at 8, are they going to move forward with Desmond Ritter? So there's a lot of teams that potentially could look to go up if the right quarterback is there. And, and you don't know who they really like. That's the whole key to this. Where Arizona's sitting, who does Carolina take? Who does Houston take? If you say it's Stroud and Young 1-2 guaranteed and nobody else is in the mix, which is the way it looks right now, I'm not buying the Anthony Richardson talk, regardless of how a useless pro day goes today, and pro days are useless in the, in the evaluation process. So this won't matter, but if Stroud and Young go 1-2, does does a team love Richardson and Levis enough, or Levis enough to move up to get them? That's the whole question, is how they rank those two other quarterbacks.
2: That's the machine, Melkite Kuyper from ESPN. He was on uh, with us, Bickley and Murata mornings on Thursday, talking mm. about the situation on quarterbacks and teams looking to move up, depending on who is there. We, it's almost a hundred percent guarantee, Bick, that when the draft starts on April 27th, the first two picks from Carolina and Houston will be quarterbacks. That leaves the Cardinals at number three, and what Mel Kuyper Jr. said there is very, very apropos. There could be a lot of teams looking desperately to get up if there is a quarterback that they love whether it's Richardson, whether it's Will Levis, who seems Mm -hmm. to be falling in this process. Hendon Hooker seems to be getting some attention now as well. Um, The Cardinals could be in the catbird seat.
3: Yeah, and this is, and I've been saying this for months. Not to pat myself on the back, I think you've been in agreement as well. The football season we all went through, four and thirteen, the dysfunction we saw. The silver lining in all of it is if you get a, a top draft pick that is so coveted by other teams that you can spin it off and walk away with numerous assets out of it. That's a payback. That's, that's, a, a, that's sort of a, a reward that you don't plan for. And it would mitigate everything that we kind of experienced last year, at least in my opinion. So you get down to the the, the pick they hold now and the news that busted over the weekend that the Tennessee Titans might be looking to move up to number, th- to number three all the way from number 11. To do that would cost them an arm, a leg, and probably the kitchen sink and a, and a, a night table as well, <laughs> which is good. And, and so, so to me...
2: Cardinals and, need a night
3: table. And, and to me, it's the fact that this is Monty Ford's previous team kind of only, um, to me, strengthens the
2: possibility of this happening. Although I was thinking about that. Monty Ford did spend a long, you know, some time with the Tennessee Titans, but... That front office is no longer headed up by the general manager that he worked for. John Robinson was that guy. He got fired. Rand Carthon is now the new GM, and he came from San Francisco. So I wonder how much connection there is or familiarity there is there. Mm -hmm. It might be just coincidence. One thing that you cannot refute what you said, Tennessee, if that's the team that wants to move up from 11 to 3, that is a massive jump, and it would mean a lot in return for the Cardinals. Yeah, but would. then you got to start weighing things. And I've heard Burns and Gambo have these discussions too. How in love are the Cardinals with Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama? If they're in love with him and they think he can be the cornerstone of a defense, it becomes a very tough decision mm-hmm. because then you start getting into quantity over quality. We had Mel Kuiper on, and he t- and I asked him about that scenario. If the Cardinals move down, yes, they get assets, but what if they end up with another edge rusher like Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech later in the first round? He's not sold on Tyree Wilson. Mm-hmm. I'm reading Bruce Feldman's mock draft, which also included um, some anonymous coaching intelligence, as he called it, uh, on these different prospects. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that he was able to gather on Will Anderson was just glowing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting a lot of sacks usually comes down to desire, want to, and grit. and He's really got that. Here's what I also really love about him. He's out there on PAT and field goal block, and he's going like it's the last play of his career. His motor is fantastic. Another coach says, I love him. He plays with tremendous speed. Everybody tried to account for him in every way possible this year, so maybe that's why he didn't put up quite as big numbers as he did last year. I know their staff really well, and they talked about how he's so coachable and whether uh, it's what you see on the film or in the game, you can tell he took all of that in. He got bonus points for playing in the bowl game Alabama didn't qualify for the playoffs they had a bowl game against Kansas State and he played now he didn't register any stats in that game but that is so out of the ordinary for top prospects Bryce Young played in that game too and threw five touchdowns Mm -hmm. but um, maybe that's just more of an Alabama thing than anything else but there's so much on the plus side that could sway the Cardinals it might be if it is a team coming from the 10-11 range like a Tennessee it might be too much to pass Well, and again, this is why this is uh, the first real big test of the new
3: Cardinals general manager because you handicapped this perfectly. If you think Will Anderson Jr. is a can't miss player and if you think that trading down beyond the top 10, that you as a franchise, that you are now getting a much you're getting diminishing returns for trading that player because all the elite ones are gone. Then then what you got to do is you've got to leverage the interest of Tennessee if it is real against the Colts and use it against the Colts. Because if the Colts are hell-bent on taking a quarterback and they're hearing this, they're going to be quick to tell the Cardinals, no, we'll take that pick from you. Mm -hmm. And then you can just move to four and take Will Anderson Jr.
2: Which would be... (laughs) <laughs> Again, you're getting the player you want. You're getting extra assets. Yeah, that, And one that, of that's... them might
3: be Ryan Kelly, who's a, who's a center that, that the team could just plug and play. He also, but Ryan Kelly also costs a great deal of money. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways you can go with this, and this is the first step. The, the thing you don't want to do, you don't want to dra- draft Will Anderson and find out that this can't-miss kid suddenly is just another one of those guys who isn't exactly a difference maker. Uh, what I really like about Will Anderson Jr., and and I haven't done a ton of studying on him yet, but the, what does jump out to everybody who watches him is exactly what you said, his motor. Yeah, And that's, that's where you start, to me, with defensive players. If you want to gauge how much a defensive player loves playing football, you start with his motor.
2: You want to yeah. hear some more of these quotes? Sure. That Feldman was able yeah. to gather? I mean, yeah. this stuff just jumps off the page. He's a lead off the edge, but it was a short area of power and punch that really caught us off guard. We've had uh, first-round defensive ends, but the explosion and pop that he had was pretty remarkable. When he punches you, it's like a nose guard. He's so rare. Another coach said... He was better than either of the guys, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson, who went 1-2 in last year's draft. He's like Derek Thomas. He has great get-off and length. When we played against Mild Garrett, we said, let's run right at him. The thing uh, with Will is that he is equally good against the run. He's hard to chip. You put two guys on him, and he just does a good job of twisting and moving. Mm. There's a lot of evidence saying that this guy is the best guy in the draft, regardless of position, that he does border on the can't miss type prospect. I
3: would. If Austin Ford believes that, then then I think your path becomes clearer.
2: Yeah, and I go back to the draft where the Cardinals were in position to take Terrell Suggs, mm-hmm. and they got turned off for you know off-the-field reasons for Terrell Suggs, and he turned into a Hall of Fame player and a defensive player of the year. They moved down, they got more assets, and their two first-round picks that, that year basically amounted to nothing. Calvin Pace was decent at times for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Bryant Johnson did nothing. That's yeah. what you have to guard against. But, but. Yeah. Then Terrell Suggs came to the Cardinals years later and made up for it all. so i I really don't want will Anderson to come back to the Cardinals as like a thirty five year old. Yeah, no, I, yeah I know yeah
3: I see what you're saying, and I do think that 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 example is is a trade gone wrong of trading out a spot and getting very little value in return, even though you double the amount of picks you have mm-hmm. yeah that's the cautionary tale, so he's got to thread this needle um and it'll 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 get interesting if the Colts are in the business of calling the cardinals bluff if 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 you're the Colts and you firmly believe. That the Cardinals are not going to draft a quarterback, but they want Will Anderson Jr., then you don't have to then you could sit there
2: at four if you firmly believe that. Totally could. It's gonna be an interesting oh, three yeah. And if the Cardinals oh, yeah. do trade that pick, I don't think it happens until draft night. But we, we shall see. Uh coming up next, Sun's playing good basketball. We're getting closer to the playoffs. But, man, that first-round matchup could be a real bear. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings.
4: You know, I like the wins. We always talk about that. We're grateful for every win that we get. But I'm more concerned with the wins and how we play. Uh, we had a two for one situation at the end of the third. That was not. That's not what we do. We usually usually execute those uh, well. Um, and then they trap book a couple of times, and we didn't get to our spots quick enough um, the way that we need to. So. I love the wins, and we got to keep winning um, just based on where we are. At the same time, I want to be able to win and stack solid as best as we can. That's something we've talked about all year, just continuing to stack solid so that we can get a rhythm. And I think if we do that um, and the guys get used to playing with one another, I think we're going to be in, in, in good shape. Monty Williams, his team is stacking
2: wins right now. Five straight, 6-0 and 0 with Kevin Durant, 43 wins uh, to you. Use your word, Bick. They seem ensconced into the number four spot in the Western Conference at 43-35 because they are now two and a half games ahead of the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. But (laughs) there's your reward Mm -hmm. for going out and getting Kevin Durant is you get to face either the L.A. Clippers, a team Mm -hmm. which is very much a mystery at this point on what they can do in the playoffs, or you get the defending world champion Golden State Warriors who have been, oh. a regular season disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I don't trust Golden State. They're 9-30 and 30 on the road. That's a 39-game sample. I don't trust that they're that bad on the road. I don't want to face Golden State in the first that,
3: round. That would be that would be the worst case scenario. The second worst case scenario would be if the Lakers, who are only one game behind um, the other two teams you mentioned, the Clippers and the Warriors. I I, I wouldn't want the Lakers there either. I am perfectly comfortable with the Clippers. In the four or five matchup, because again, I, th- I think the Suns have got this thing set up perfectly. Uh, if they beat when they beat the Spurs tomorrow, I, I think they are. Th- there's going to be, I think, very little they can do from that point forward to get kicked out of the four seed. So, I, I- and to that, that's a job well done. They've they've done a real good job when tested at, at keeping their program together. There was a time when this basketball team was 21 and 24. We had no idea where they were going. That's true. And and so to end up with the four seed in a season like this, I think, is a job well done. And I think, I think we all knew that that first-round series was likely to be problematic. It'll be interesting to me to see if any teams below the Suns start wondering and trying to play that game of let's get in the six but not the five because if you mess around you might end up in the seven and you don't want to do that it
0: is funny though in general that the bottom of the west playoff picture is way scarier than the top of the west like Denver Memphis and Sacramento to me are less scary Mm -hmm. than Golden State the Lakers the Pelicans and even the Clippers without healthy. yeah, yeah.
2: piggybacking on that they'll never admit it publicly but teams like Golden State the Clippers the Lakers they would love to get into that sixth spot. I think everybody who's looking at that first-round matchup would say, oh, Sacramento's a good team. Mm-hmm. They've got no playoff experience. They've got the emotion of breaking a long drought. We'd love to take on the Kings. You know, at the seventh spot, do you want Memphis? Yeah, maybe. Memphis is a team, I think, that can be beaten in the first round mm-hmm. by, the, by the right team that's playing a good brand of basketball. I think of those three teams, they would avoid, want to avoid playing the Suns, who have a great deal of unknown themselves. I mean, this is a team that has made a deep ch- uh, run to the finals. They were the number 1 seed last year, much different-looking team. I don't think anybody knows what to expect from the playoff Suns this well, year, except well, no. for the fact that they've got Durant and Booker, and that's a nightmare that's a to deal question. with.
3: It's a great question because the Nuggets, they, they bowed out of any comp- real competitive mindset on Friday night. In resting key players, so uh, we don't know. And, and as I said before, they're five and zero with Kevin Durant. Uh, six and o. they're six zero with Kevin Durant. They're five with, with a five game winning streak, mm-hmm. and, and one of the games, the Dallas game, stands out more than uh, the others. So the question becomes: Will the Suns will they struggle more in the postseason, or is there still a lot of ceiling left to reach? That's what I think is going to determine a lot of this. Yeah, I don't I mean whether or not a team gets their hands on this this Suns team and is able to kind of deconstruct them in a series versus this team maybe getting into a series and people realizing you're not
2: going to beat them 4 times in 7 games. Uh-huh. That I agree with your assessment that uh, of the 6 games we've seen Durant with the Suns, that Dallas game holds the most weight, even though Dallas is floundering terribly right now. They weren't at the time. That game had Playoff intensity and feel there was the heat between the two franchises with the leftover pieces from last year's series, I agree with you. And that was a game that came down to the wire, and Kevin Durant delivered you know, in a clutch time situation. Although he did yesterday, it just wasn't as tight of a game. But if you look at the possibility, Suns and Warriors, and they were looking at that possibility in the first round on ESPN Radio this morning, on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and Chris Canty was sitting in. Uh, here's Jay Williams on that potential first round matchup.
3: Come on, it's those boys up in the bay Mm. it's the storyline the one thing you the one thing i know is that kevin durant when he has time to think sometimes can overthink sometimes can overanalyze there is so much to think about that matchup number one about what could have been max but number two about the style in which they play that continuity style is really hard to guard throughout the course of an entire game
2: uh, he also says this about the Warriors: maybe having an advantage on the Suns.
0: They're going to make CP3 run around the entire game. I want to see all it day, and that's going that makes him tired.
3: And that's that's what we question. <laughs> Canty talked about KD being injury prone. I mean, you also have CP3 who's injury prone deep into the playoffs. Oh, you know, they've what? been low managing no him this year because of that.
2: Yeah, I, I, obviously that would be something that the Warriors would try to mm-hmm. try to highlight, try to take advantage of. But I gotta say this: I, you know, Chris Paul. I think the days of him scoring 30 plus points in a playoff game are over, uh, or taking over and hitting 14 of 14 shots. But in this little stretch, I like the way Chris Paul's playing. Mm-hmm. He's been a dog on defense. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get to his spot again. He's not taking a ton of shots, but he's been a little bit more efficient than what we've seen. I don't have a problem with what I'm seeing from Chris Paul right now.
3: No, as long as again, as long as it's sustainable. Yes. As long as he keeps his game and his health intact, and that's this is not something he's been able to do in the last two seasons. And the way that the way that Jay Williams is is describing what Golden State would do to him is 100% accurate. And that's it's it's a nightmare matchup for Chris Paul when when you have to play the Warriors without Mikhail Bridges. And, that's that's the that's the matchup where you miss Mikael Bridges the most, in my opinion, and and that's the most that's yes. the matchup that tests most
2: tests the Suns perimeter defense. Well, if you looked at the early matchups between Golden State and the Suns this year, when Mikhail Bridges was still part of the team, mm-hmm. he made life miserable on Steph Curry. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because he's a guy that can follow him around, and without it, you know, Torrey Craig can do it for a little bit, I think. But again, it, it's that's gonna that would be a very tough series, and and with what the Lakers have cooking right now, they're a dangerous team too. I, I hate to admit it; don't even want to look that in the face. But that uh, those are the facts of the matter.
2: Anthony Davis is playing at a great level right now. They are above five hundred for the first time all season. And yet, because of the way it's coming together and aligning at the right time, people are saying, and and they're right, you're saying it, you're right. Everybody else who's saying it is right. Uh They're dangerous. It could be like the bubble year in that it's the equivalent
0: of having these months off because LeBron and AD missed so much time. They're much
2: fresher heading into the playoffs than most years. But... It all comes down to the question too, and and Jay will said it about Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. The same thing applies to Anthony Davis. Do you trust him to stay healthy for a deep playoff run? Well, and again, World they're bond. gonna
3: they're gonna have a big test this week. They've got back to back games, and they're in a position where they need him to play every night. And if they do load management this week, people are like really. Wait, in the last week of the NBA season. So
0: uh, a lot
2: Look, to play out this week. You know it's getting important? Kawhi Leonard played in back-to-backs what? for the first time in like wow. two plus years. Basketball? Basketball? We're in the nitty-gritty of the season. Uh, coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day. Rush Hour Reboot straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Bickley and Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams.
4: Good morning, everyone. Very happy Monday, or a mostly happy Monday. I'm happy. Are you guys happy on this Monday? I'm happy. All right, Dan Bickley's happy? What about you, Vince? I haven't really thought about it <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll <laughs> let him ponder that this is the rush hour reboot here on Bickley and Murata mornings we get you caught up on everything you need to know in sports every single day at 730 Sarah Kazell here with Dan Bickley I with the maybe happy Vince Murata <laughs> is that your internal monologue yes and Jarek Carlin call him Brian because he sure is greasy <laughs> wow oh, I like well, who were we talking about there? Oh. Ah, greasy. <laughs> greasy Tony. <townies. laughs> Tremendous. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day. Let's start out with the Phoenix Suns, who have won five straight games now. And they are now 6-0 with Kevin Durant in the lineup. Uh, bodes well for the Suns going into the playoffs. Friday, they beat the Nuggets 100-93 at Footprint Center. And then yesterday, on the road, they beat the Thunder 128-118. Yesterday, Kevin Durant had 35 points. Devin Booker had 22 points and 10 assists. And DeAndre Ayton had 19 points and 11 rebounds. But we saw a trend in Friday's game and yesterday's game. We saw significant leads for the Suns get whittled down to one or two possessions near the end of the game. It was a 27 7-point lead for the Suns on Friday. Uh, they ended up needing to fight for the win. And then yesterday, a smaller lead. It was a 15-point lead at the half, but still comfortable enough. And they had to really work for it in the final minutes of that game as well. Here is Devin Booker from Friday on the team getting complacent. We I mean, got complacent. You know, got relaxed and you know, they didn't um
3: usually when the team is down guys and you know, those other guys step up to the opportunity and don't you know, want to prove themselves and, and those guys did a
4: good job of that tonight okay complimentary of the nuggets there and then here's kevin durant from that same game
5: we just let our foot off the gas just a little bit and they was just playing extremely hard they got uh i think like just two fast break open uh court steals and that got them going a bit uh you gotta just do a better job of just sticking with it you know sticking with the game plan and you know, the first half was a good good showing for us.
4: All right. Four games left for the Suns before the playoffs get started. In fact, I believe the week from tomorrow is when the play-in tournament gets going. So the playoffs really are right around the corner. Guys, how concerned are you about the Suns building up big leads but that then not being able to hold on to them and more so what do you attribute that issue to?
3: Um yeah, I I don't know how to answer the latter. I'm not all that concerned because I think when the playoffs begin the dynamics of that change entirely and I think it really just comes down to who who executes in the final 5 minutes and I'm going to put my I'm going to put my um, my chances on the Suns with with their two top scorers every time with that. So, mm-hmm. um why does it keep happening? I I don't know. I think he, he, when you uh, go ask go ask the the Minnesota Timberwolves who lost <laughs> to a completely completely depleted Trailblazers team. Oh. I, I just think sometimes when you're playing teams that are load managing and you're playing guys that are not frontline guys, you think it's going to be an a, an easy deal, and it turns out not to be. Yeah, and that happens a lot in the NBA.
2: My concern level is almost zero. Okay. Um, for a lot of the reasons that Vic said, um, yeah. you do get complacent against those types of teams. Be grateful that it was a 27-point lead or else they might have lost that game. Yesterday, right. a 15-point lead down to three. A 15-point lead is really nothing no, against a good team, yeah, especially good the that. way Oklahoma City plays. And you know Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to get to the free-throw line a lot, so it prevents those big runs. So my my concern level is, is nearly zero.
4: Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, 17 of 17 from the free-throw line yeah, yesterday. Make um, the most of your opportunities. Yes, indeed. Alright, let's Uh, Let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. And you guys just hit on this in the last segment. The Warriors are starting to inch up the Western Conference standings. They are tied with the Clippers now. Uh, Both teams are two and a a half games back of the Suns, uh, though the Clippers hold a tiebreaker over Golden State right now. But there is still room. There's enough time for Golden State to move up and become the fifth seed, which would mean a first-round series between the Warriors and the Suns. This morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, they talked about a potential Suns-Warriors first-round series, and Chris Canty said this would be the worst-case scenario for Phoenix. I think the storylines can create a dynamic where the players on the
3: Suns do things that are out of character, specifically Kevin Durant, and that not, not necessarily lend itself to being the best version of yourself going up against a team who knows who they are. Like Golden State knows who they are. They know how to play, especially once we get to the second season, so when you do things that are uncharacteristic in a playoff environment with
4: the level of intensity that's going to be there. I'm with Jay a thousand percent. That is a dangerous matchup for the Phoenix Suns. They got to try to avoid that at all costs. All right. When fully healthy, guys, when fully healthy for all involved, which tandem is scariest for the Suns to match up against? Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, or LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Ooh.
3: Uh, That is a good question. That is a good question.
4: I'm going to vote LeBron James. If
3: we're distilling this down to two sums, I'm going to say LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I would agree. Followed by the Clippers dudes, followed by the Warriors dudes. The, the Warriors mm. don't scare me because of their their dynamic duo, because of the Splash Brothers. It's it's everything else. It's okay. their depth. It's their perimeter shooting. It's the speed at which they play. It's the weirdness that Kevin Durant would it would undoubtedly feel, and we know that that Kevin does get into his feel sometimes. To me, though, it's a little different. Kevin Durant is not the leader of a Brooklyn team. He's he's sort of um, I don't want to call him a passenger because he's very important to what they're doing. But we all know this is Book's team, and and Katie is playing off of Devin Booker.
2: Yes, I would uh, change my ranking though. I would have Golden State ranked above the Clippers. Okay. Okay. So and Lakers it's real tight for okay. one Warriors and two. Clippers. Yeah. For you? Yeah. Wow.
4: Lakers, huh? Coming back to life. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean,
3: you're talking again. You're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and and it's Anthony Davis when he's playing the way he's been playing and he stays healthy. He's a force. He, he was a top three player, top five player um, when all those things was, when all those things lock in for him, and that's where they're at right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it,
2: nobody's mentioning New Orleans was <laughs> the same record. They're as a the very
3: Lakers. dangerous team. They are. <laughs> they are. They are so. Uh, they're just very physical and they're fearless. That. That's what, that's what worries me about New, New Orleans, would not fear playing the Suns. So.
4: Yeah, no question about that. All right, let's talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are through their first series of the season. They split with the Dodgers on the road. Uh, they had two close wins, both 2-1, the final score. And then their two losses um, were by six runs and nine runs, respectively. Here is the D-back skipper, Tori Lovello, yesterday after the D-backs' 2-1 win to wrap up that series. You know, we, we came in
5: here and won a couple games. And I don't think we swung the bat as good as we possibly could have. Whether there was some some you know anxiety or just overall excitement, I don't know. But you saw little glimpses of it from time to time, and you saw some things that these guys are capable of doing with manufacturing a run. So Corbin gets a base hit, steals a couple bases. You know, we have a playbook. You guys know what it is. You guys know what we've been talking about all, all um, spring training long, and we're starting to execute it. We we try to keep some things in the bag, and we did. But um, you know, we're still going to keep forcing the, forcing plays and, and making plays. Happened, and that's what Corbin did.
4: All right, what did you guys think about the D-backs through four
3: games? Um, I think the end justifies the means. I don't think it was uh, outscored twenty to seven in four games in LA, but to walk out with a with a, with a series split, I think is a, a, a real, real momentum boost for the baseball team. So I hope they capitalize on it. Um, it maybe without Madison Bumgarner throwing meatballs up there, they win that series. Either way, I, I, I think the record-wise, that's this is a good start for the baseball team. Yeah, take the split and move on, Dope.
2: definitely. But this, this <laughs> style of play what? is not sustained. At some point, you have to start hitting the baseball. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, they're at the Padres tonight. Two-game series. First game tonight is at 6.40, and then tomorrow, one ten uh, in the afternoon. And you can, as always, hear that on the Arizona Sports app and on 98.7.
2: There you go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah. Reboot you. every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we'll stick with the Diamondbacks. They do get that split series split in L.A., but... What do you do about Madison Bumgarner early in the season? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings.
5: nothing major, you know, when major from, from his standpoint. It was more just us asking questions, us trying to find out if everything's okay. Um, you know, the, there was looseness to the breaking ball and, and things just weren't, weren't consistent. He's always around the zone, but there were some big misses today. So we just red flags go up and we see that our eyes tell us a story, but Mum was okay. He he actually offered to go back out there for the fifth inning. Uh, he knew the pen could probably be overworked a little bit and, and I told him no. it was enough. We'll figure it
2: out. That was Torrey Lavello Saturday uh, after a 10-1 to loss for the Diamondbacks to the Dodgers. Madison Bumgarner's first start. He's the number three starter at least to start the season.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: He gives up the grand slam in the first inning to uh, Trace Thompson, who had a huge game against the Diamondbacks. Three home runs in that game. But... If you look at the numbers and the velocity, which has never been the calling card of Madison Bumgarner, especially since he's been in an Arizona Diamondbacks uniform, and you see those numbers go down, and he's averaging under 90 miles per hour on a four seam fastball. And you talked about meatballs. <laughs> Meat bum. <laughs> Meat bum. Uh, the pitch that Tra- Tra- Tom- Trace Thompson hit out of the ballpark was mm-hmm. a meatball. It was, you know, no movement right down the middle of the plate. For the Diamondbacks, To come to the conclusion, all right, we're going to send you home for testing. That to me indicates a short leash, which is exactly how they should handle this.
3: Yes, it is. Especially because unlike in years past, they've got they've got options. Yes. And and they've got kids who are are probably ready for an opportunity. We're talking about Dre Jameson. We're talking about Brandon Fott, who's down in Reno. There are options here. So I think I think this leash. I uh, I, I'm thinking it might be expired. The fact that after one start he's being evaluated now for arm fatigue, and we're we're back to this velocity uh, thing. I, I'm not sure that this this experiment with Madison Bumgarner has been a debacle from day one. It has from his rodeo persona to now. Not a lot of return in that investment for what for whatever it's worth. And, and I think it's time now for the Diamondbacks to kind of put a fork in this.
2: Yeah, the Diamondbacks have had Madison Bumgarner since 2020. Mm-hmm. He started 66 games for them. In games that he has started, I'm not even talking about his own personal win loss record. So they're 25 and 41 in games in which he starts. About the same differential. He's 15 and 30 as a starter uh, for the Diamondbacks. The ERA is over five. This is not... Look, you can go back to 2020 when they made that signing and, and you know his start to his Diamondbacks career got off to a weird start because it started in the pandemic. The 60-game schedule, that started in the middle of the summer. We all remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, the seven-inning no-hitter. Yeah, the seven-inning no-hitter, which was the highlight of his stay here. I I look at all these results, and this is not the same Diamondbacks team. They have... They yeah. have goals in mind. They've they got postseason goals in mind. And every do. fifth day, you can't hand the ball to a guy who's not going to put you in position to win. No, they gave it a shot. They they paid Madison Bumgarner a lot of money for this organization, especially with eighty five million and a lot of that's backloaded. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might have to eat some of that because yeah. I don't think he's a viable option. No, I, I don't either. Team.
3: I don't either. And and I think that it, the longer you go, the longer you cling to this, the longer you try to rehab this, the more the the fan base is like, okay, is this another year in which? you're not serious about winning and 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 i understand the last couple of years that 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 you tried to get some sort of reclamation and some value out of him um i i understand there's a respect factor for who madison bumgarner is in the game and then there's that realization as jared pointed out last week that madison bumgarner is not as old as you think he's younger than merrill kelly which is unbelievable to me absolutely i still can't get my head to accept that fact and it is indeed a fact but I just I think now with with your depth of potential starters you're wasting time well, we and saw. if you want to be good this year you don't kick away games
2: no and we saw Dre Jameson over the weekend he came in in a long relief role and he was electric he's got nasty stuff nasty stuff he, uh, people all over baseball were talking about that, that relief uh, stint that he had in the, in the Dodgers series and he was real close to making this rotation uh, you know I, I think the lease should be short. Mm-hmm. Baumgardner is convinced, and he told reporters afterward, I'm not going to miss a start. We'll see. We'll see. My yeah. arm is just a little tired. Don't worry about it.
3: Well... <laughs> 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 oh. That's a good clean sound. Can you spit some tobacco against the wall? Where did that where did that sound bite come from, Jared? That's pretty good. I don't know what interview that was, but that was good.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it, is, it, it is. is funny though
0: that like right when the team is finally ready to sort of n- take the next step mm-hmm. is the, also the time when you want to get rid of the veteran sort of guy who's been there before because you'd think that like that's the kind of guy you want in your rotation when you're ready to take the next step
2: mm-hmm. but he's, he's just he doesn't give him a great chance to win ball games and I think it's the right move. And yeah, I know. It's
3: about time. Yeah. It's about time because this is an exciting team. I mean, it, it's when you're looking at uh, a team that that won a game when Jake McCarthy just drops down a bunt successfully. Uh, Corbin Carroll stealing bases on successive pitches. By the way, here's some video, Joe, trivia for you. Uh, there have been eight guys from the Diamondbacks who have stolen bases on successive pitches. Can you name them? Eight guys? Eight guys. Tony Walmack That's one. Steve Finley That's not one. Bah! Eric Burns? Eric Burns is one. Uh And then Mark uh, Reynolds, but it's well, happened Mark Reynolds, but it's yeah. happened 5 times since 2016, including Corbin Carroll, who are the other four since 2016? Cattell Marte? Nope. It's I mean, a hard list to get. This is difficult. I'll just Tim give it to you Castro. Yeah, no. Nope. Dang it. Paul Goldschmidt did it Paul once. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt. Gregor Blanco did it. Who? Jared Dyson did it. Who? And Jordan Luplo did it.
2: Wow. Vinny's favorite baseball player. Oh, the Jordan hey. Luplo. <laughs>
3: Why
2: is my neck itching? God, that's that got frustrating Yes, year. you
3: did. You got very frustrated with Jordan Luplo. <laughs> So, uh, listen, so uh, I'm excited about this. The home opener for the Diamondbacks is on Thursday. I, I'm really curious to see what that is going to feel like, because there's going to be a Suns game going on right
2: across the street. That's right. Suns now getting, nuggets. Now I'm getting yeah. itchy thinking yeah, about yeah. Oh, Good luck getting out of the parking garage, Vinny. Uh, sleeping in my car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, before they get home, uh, and this schedule, man, <laughs> you talk about brutal. Mm-hmm. To front load eight games against the Dodgers in the first 10, I think is almost, ir- it's bordering on irresponsible. I'm not sure it isn't a benefit for the Diamondbacks, to be honest with you. I know I felt that way last week, and then I thought about it more. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, I just I think this last series is proof. But I, uh, but again, that I mean a lot of it has changed because of the way the Dodgers pitching handled that lineup.
0: Better to get them now than in you know later in the season
3: when they're when, on, when, when they're on a heater where they won thirty three of their last thirty six. <laughs> traded for Shohei
2: Otani. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, by the way, you were so excited going into the weekend to watch baseball. What was uh-huh. your viewing experience like with the pitch clock and everything else? Yeah, um,
3: I I didn't get a ton of baseball uh, in this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. For me, but um, I, I, I'm still a gigantic fan. I think there's going to be some unintended consequences to some of these rules changes. Um, I, I, you've seen pitchers now try to kind of get a an innate advantage by you know quick pitching guys, and and Max Scherzer got busted doing it. Uh, it it's going to be fascinating to see where this whole thing goes. But they're back to they're back to their spring training numbers now. 28 minutes shorter per game than last year. Huge difference. Yeah. I I haven't. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a timepiece so influential since Flavor Flav, babe. <laughs> <Woo>! Yeah, <laughs> hey, boy! I'll
4: tell you what, though,
2: when the pitch clock when the pitch clock has the game moving, and you've got a pitcher who's really in a groove, mm-hmm. and you know you got a team that's not doing much offensively, it gets very frustrating. Because you're up to bat for about seven seconds. I, I love it. <laughs> I, it, it's, it used to be,
3: I remember, because I, I'm still traumatized from having to cover the sport of baseball on a day-by-day basis in the early 90s. I still haven't recovered from it. When you get a, fr- when you, when you, it takes like an hour to play the first two innings, and there have been a lot of baseball games like that in the recent past. Mm-hmm. That It just sucks the life right out of me. And so now I look up and I'm like, wow, look at this. We're in the top of the fifth. This game's been on for like 16 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like perfect.
4: video game. length. Like, great. Yeah. You guys know that Bugs Bunny video clip where he, for some reason, is playing baseball and he throws an incredibly slow pitch mm-hmm. and the batter swings like three 5, times. Like 5,000 times. Strike, one, uh, two, three, right. Strike yes. one, two, three, right. you're out. Strike one, two, three, you're out. It's up. like that. It's like, all right, one up, one down. Let's go. There is
2: an element to that. You're right. Halfway through on the uh, Monday show, Bick's going to kick off the second half
5: with some fire. The Blast is next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.